This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. It is once again great to be with you, and we are going to, for the next little bit, do a couple series on that are inspired by something that Crossway has produced. 10 Things You Should Know is this series that they have available online. And we wanted to talk through a couple of them that are at least related to the upcoming conference on September 22nd and 23rd. If you go to ReformationBoise.com, you can get the times and the information about the speakers and everything. And then you can also register Uh, Remember, if you register, your chances go up for winning giveaways. We only give the giveaways to those that are registered, and that's just kind of an incentive to register because that helps us with just organization, planning, setup, all of those good things. So it's a win-win. You help us by giving us information that we need to help with the organization of the conference, and you increase your chances of walking away with free things, which I think everybody likes. And the great news is the entire conference is free. So you do not have to pay anything to come, and you get to interact with so many people from the Valley and worship and have um, great teaching to sit under and wonderful fellowship and the ability to just pick up some great resources at a at a very low cost. So once again, ReformationBoise.com, and we hope to see you there. The, today we're going to begin talking about things from an article entitled 10 Things You Should Know About Covenant Theology. And one of the books that is at the conference that we will have available is one um, by a whole host of different authors. One of them is article is from our speaker, um, Dr. Miles Van Pelt. But the book is entitled Covenant Theology, Biblical, Theological, and Historical Perspectives. And three of the editors of that book got together to write this 10 things you should know about covenant theology. So we're going to just pick away at those. And the first one is, and maybe this is, is a shock to so many people, because we t- tend to think of covenant theology as something Old Testament, maybe a little bit archaic, something that we kind of push outside of our mind, like, well, it doesn't really matter. And the first thing they say is that covenant theology is about the gospel. How can that be? I can uh, pick up something from a, a book by David McKay. He said, the fundamental principle of covenant theology is the assertion that God provides everything that is needed by sinners for salvation. In the covenant of redemption, the elect were given to Christ to be his people. The power and grace of God ensures that all of them will, in fact, be brought into covenant with the Lord. There is no uncertainty in the outworking of God's covenant decree. Everything necessary, including including the free 
willing, responsive sinners is secured by God so that from start to finish, salvation is his work and all the glory is to be ascribed to his name. One of the... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, one of the aspects of covenant theology is about having a representative, a federal head. And you read of this in, in Romans 5. And so really what happens is in the original creation in the garden, Adam was in covenant with God, and he represented all humanity. And so as Adam sinned, as Adam failed, if you go back to last week, to keep the covenant of works, um, he, he failed to obey God, and because of that brought curse upon not only himself, but on all humanity as our representative, as our federal head. Well, there is no salvation now for anybody unless there's another representative, federal head, that undoes the damage that came with our first one. And Romans 5 talks about how Jesus is that representative, that federal head for all of the elect, all of God's people. And so what happens is Jesus then fulfills what Adam could not do, and in fulfilling what Adam couldn't do or didn't do, he secured the benefits that Adam would have gotten if he had obeyed, and Jesus does that on behalf of of all of his people. That's what covenant theology is. That's the covenant of grace. Yeah, and it's as we talked about, you know, leading up to this episode of that interaction between the covenant of works and the covenant of grace. You know, covenant theology is the gospel. I mean, that's that's what we see throughout the scriptures. You know, as you said, the covenant works is was broken, but it's still binding, and there has to be a fulfillment of it. And the gospel is God has fulfilled that requirement for us in Christ, and by faith through His grace, we we have salvation. And so that covenant theology is what ties all these things together and gives us, as God gives it in the scriptures, this uh, beautiful story of his redeeming work for his people. And I think sometimes what people fail to recognize is that, so like they would go to Romans 5 and say, oh yeah, I agree with everything that's in Romans 5, and disconnect it from everything that has come before it. And so they they don't see the connection to covenant because they've lopped off so much of their Bible. And so what we're trying to say is we actually do think that people know instinctively that the gospel is connected um, to covenant theology, but they might just not know the terminology. And that's where I was for most of my life my growing up years, not most of my life. I'm too old for, to say that anymore. But most of my growing up years, I I didn't know what was underneath Romans 5. It, it wasn't until later that I came to recognize, oh, that's why that works. Why Romans 5 works, Adam and Christ being these representatives, is because of covenant is underneath of it. I think I think about uh, you know Psalm ninety eight and the hymn Joy to the World, and uh, you know we say, you know actually this is a song about the covenant. Uh, this is a song about covenant fulfillment. We sing that at Christmas time, but the the um, one verse where we're told that uh, 
No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. This is the reversal of the covenant of works. This is the reversal of the curse that came upon us because of Adam's sin in Christ. Um, he removes and gives blessing as far as that curse is found, which is just a wonderful thought. We don't even realize how much we're singing that covenant when we, when we come to Christmas time. The second item in the 10 things you should know about covenant theology is that covenant theology is scriptural. So last time, last week, we talked about the fact that the word covenant occurs over 300 times in the Old Testament, so we're not even talking about the number of times that it appears in the New Testament. So we know that the word itself permeates the Scripture, but how else can we think about or talk about the idea that covenant theology is scriptural? Well, like we talked about last week, too, it helps us understand the grand narrative of the Bible so that, again, you don't lop off the Old Testament, but you have this understanding that from Genesis to Revelation, God is telling his story of redeeming people. And it begins in uh, Genesis 1 and ends in Revelation 22, but all, all throughout it, it is God administering his covenant of grace uh, through the redemption of Christ Jesus. Um, one of the New Testament places where we see the covenant, in fact, is the Last Supper, uh, when Jesus declare, declares the cup of the table to be the cup of the new covenant, which would be his blood, which would accomplish the forgiveness of sins. We speak of covenant theology as scriptural because the Bible uses that language. So a framework that's often used today is creation, fall, redemption, and consummation. And sometimes because we use that framework, we think that it's a new framework, that's actually just capturing what has been talked about in covenant theology for centuries. So it's just maybe new labels, but it's not a new thought. It's not a new paradigm. This has been at the heart of covenant theology and really at the heart of the scriptural message. We don't often talk about it, but this is in the realm of what we is referred to as biblical theology. And so there are certain themes that are woven throughout all of Scripture. Creation is creation or recreation is one of those. The fall, um, redemption, um, consummation, all of those are themes that run throughout all of, of the Scripture. And that's what Vinny was saying. You, you have this big narrative that frames the Bible, that the Bible from the very beginning, Genesis to the very end, incorporates those those great themes throughout and that's what the study of biblical theology helps us to see and it's it's kind of a balance to a systematic theology which basically just looks and tries to put all those things in one place you know like for instance you know maybe what is the doctrine of the church here what is the doctrine of of salvation here what is the doctrine of you know the fall and man and it, so in one sense, that systematic theology is beneficial, but in covenant theology, you're reading it as it unfolds. You're reading it, uh, you know, in the biblical theology, you're reading that narrative that Vinny was talking about. I think one thing, way you could sum up to is the idea of promise fulfillment that uh, is just throughout Scripture and is really at the core of covenant theology. God has made promises. He, we, we have in the Scriptures examples of him fulfilling each of those promises and there are fulfillments yet to come that we can now have confidence because he's the covenant making he's the promise making and keeping god 
We, I, we, we have the, in the, in the Bible, there's a, this covenant shape, and it also helps us understand how we can use the Old Testament as well. How, is it, how does that apply to us as believers? Uh, it also gives us an understanding of the, of, of the church in Israel. You know, the, a proper understanding is uh, God's one people um, that the Old Testament people were looking forward to the cross. We look back on the cross, but there is just simply one people of God. And this is something that covenant theology helps us uh, deal with rather than simply divide up things in these categories that have no relationship to each other. So if you, you think about the whole frame, framing, scriptural framing of, of covenant, God desires to have a people. And so he, he doesn't need to create the world. But out of out of who he is, out of his heart, he he creates a people to have communion and fellowship with them, and mankind broke that, sinned, and it created an inability for a holy God to to interact with a sinful people, and so then the storyline of the Bible then is well, how can God be true to Himself, and at the same time? accomplish what his his heart desire was was fellowship and communion with a people and and that's really where covenant theology comes in that god then says okay man couldn't fulfill i will send my son to do what they could not do in order that the end of the book revelation 21 and 22 my people can be with me forever and it's that's the storyline that's the scriptural narrative that ties everything together We'll look at more things from 10 Things You Should Know About Covenant Theology tomorrow. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you then.